Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Matthew, chapter 8. So grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. We're continuing a verse-by-verse study in the book of Matthew. And if you've been with us, you know that we concluded, oh, I don't know, four weeks ago, four weeks this Sunday ago, we concluded our study on the Sermon on the Mount. And the Sermon on the Mount is found in chapters 5, 6, and 7. Got a pen? You're going to need it. And as I told you in our study in the beginning of the Gospel of Matthew, I told you that Matthew is a Jew writing to the Jews about the king of the Jews. Matthew is a Jew writing to the Jews about the king of the Jews. Matthew's intent, as you look at the different Gospels, you can see that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John all paint a different portrait of Christ. Matthew's portrait is that of Jesus as king, the person of the king. We find that in chapters 1 through 4. Matthew introduced the person of the kingdom, Jesus, as we looked at his lineage in chapter 1, and his credentials, and his genealogy. And then in chapters 5 through 7, we have the Sermon on the Mount, as Jesus is giving us the principles of the kingdom. So we have the person of the kingdom in chapters 1 through 4. In chapter 5, 6, and 7, we have the principles of the kingdom. As Jesus is there on the hillside in the area of Galilee, and he's preaching to his disciples. And he's giving them the principles of a kingdom. Kingdom living, I like to call it. There in chapters 5, 6, and 7, known as the Sermon on the Mount. Well, this morning, we actually come to a new section We talked about the person of the kingdom and the principles of the kingdom. This morning, beginning in chapters 8 and 9, we begin a new section, the power of the kingdom. Or the power of the king. Here in chapters 8 and 9. So, get the scene now. Stay with me. Jesus was on the mountain preaching to his disciples. And, you know, it's one thing to talk. It's one thing to have mighty words. You know, someone once said, put your money where your mouth is. It's one thing to have a lot of words and to have mighty words. Well, Jesus didn't just have mighty words. He also had mighty deeds. Mighty deeds? Oh, yeah. 
We're going to see some mighty deeds here in chapter 8 and chapter 9 as Matthew moves from the kingdom principles to the king's power, from the king's words to the king's works, from the king's manifesto to the king's miracles. Here in chapter 8 and chapter 9, Jesus performs 10 miracles to show his authority over sickness, over nature, over the world of the supernatural, over life, and over death. And that tells us what? That Jesus is Lord over all. Amen, saints? He's Lord over all. And we're going to see that over the next several chapters. So, Jesus is on the mountain preaching to his disciples. And I find it fascinating. I think you will too. He comes down from this mountaintop experience, preaching to his disciples, and the first people that he ministers to, or the first people that he touches with his ministry, are three people that are society's lowest of low. He had some mighty words. And when he finishes with his mighty words, he comes down with some mighty deeds. And he doesn't go to the Pharisees or the scribes or the Sadducees, which were sad, you see. Okay, sorry, I'm still on the time change in India. Okay, so work with me here. You know what he does? He comes down and he begins to preach and to touch and to minister to three areas, two classes of people who are the lowest of low. Number one, a leper. Number two, a Gentile. Number three, a woman. A woman, specifically, yeah, Peter's mother-in-law. Which, by the way, tells us that Peter was married. It's deep theology here, you know. Okay. If you have a mother-in-law, then you had to have been married. Which means Peter was married, which is with Jesus ministering to his mother-in-law is a miracle in itself. And uh, but Jesus loves mother-in-laws. Amen, mom-in-laws. A woman. Three people, classes of people, the lowest of low. A leper, a Gentile, and a woman. I titled my sermon this morning, Touching the Untouchable. Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 1. Saints, if you're there, say a hearty amen. Amen. And when he had come down in verse 8, come down from where? From the mountain. Great multitudes followed him. And behold, a leper came and worshipped him, saying, Lord, if you are willing, you can make me clean. And then Jesus put out his hand and touched him, saying, I am willing, be cleansed. Immediately his leprosy was gone. And Jesus said to him in verse 4, See that you tell no one, but go your way, show yourself to the priest, and offer gifts that Moses commanded as a testimony to them. Now, stop right there. Give me your attention. The scene, as I said, is the Sermon on the Mount. Finishing the Sermon on the Mount, 
Jesus comes down from the mountain. Now, we don't know what mountain this is. I've been to Israel a couple of times. Both times I've gone, they have taken us to the mountain. It is a beautiful mountain. It overlooks the Sea of Galilee. The Sea of Galilee is beautiful. It looks like glass. It's incredible. It's beautiful. And they take us to this mountain and they say, well, now this is where Jesus preached the Sermon on the Mount. And, 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 and the truth be told, they don't know it's that mountain. And it's an amazing thing because there's a gift shop on that mountain now. I'm like, what, well, Jesus had some holy gift sales while he preached the Sermon on the Mount. What's up with that? We don't know what mountain it was, but the Bible tells us that Jesus came down from the mountain. And when Jesus came down from the mountain, thousands of people gathered around. Man, Jesus was famous. And he wasn't famous, and he didn't obtain his fame from CNN and NBC and BBS and whoever else. He didn't obtain his fame like the world obtains their fame. Jesus obtained his fame because he was compassionate, because he was loving, because people liked to be around him, because people, Jesus was fun. Now, isn't that shocking? Jesus actually was fun. (gasps) Oh my goodness. You mean he really had a good time? Yeah, Jesus loved the party. You always see him at potlucks and dinners. Jesus is a man after my own heart. He just liked to have fun. And people like to be around him because of his words, because he spoke mighty words and he's done mighty deeds. And so people gathered around, thousands of people probably crowding around Jesus and breaking through the crowd. Here's the picture. Breaking through the crowd was a leper. And the Bible says that Jesus healed this leper. Leprosy. In the Bible, if you're taking notes, you know I encourage you to do so. The word leper in the Bible is used 17 times. Four of those times are found in the New Testament, singular, leper. Plural, lepers, is used six times in the Bible, five times in the New Testament. Leprosy, the disease, is used, get this, 39 times in the Bible, four of them are in the New Testament. And 31 of the 39 times that leprosy is used in the Bible, it's found in Leviticus chapter 13 and 14. 31 times of the 39 times that leprosy is found in the Bible, you'll find it 31 times in two chapters in the Old Testament, the book of Leviticus. Three men in the Old Testament are mentioned as having leprosy. Oh, you know the stories. Naaman, the Syrian. Gehazi, who is who? Who is he? He's Elisha's servant. You got it. And King Uzziah of Judah all had leprosy. Luke chapter 4 verse 27 tells us that there were many lepers 
during the time of Naaman. So, I tell you that to tell you this. The Bible has a lot to say about leprosy, specifically in Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, it tells us a lot about leprosy. Leviticus 13 and 14, read that in your own time, especially if you're looking for a sleep aid. Leviticus shall help. But actually, I say that tongue in cheek is actually pretty fascinating. But in Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, it tells the priest how to diagnose leprosy. It tells the priest how to recognize leprosy and how to deal with a leper. But it is interesting in Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, there is no mention of how to treat and cure leprosy. Not at all. Now, that's pretty fascinating to me. No treatment, no cure for leprosy. I'm sure as the priest was reading the Torah, the first five books of Moses, the Bible, his Bible, and he's probably reading Leviticus chapter 13 and 14, and he's reading all this stuff about how to diagnose and how to identify leprosy, but there's no cure for leprosy. And he's probably reading it and probably thinking, man, if there's no cure for leprosy, then why is it in the Bible? I mean, why even talk about it if there's no cure for it? If there's nothing I as a priest can do for it, then why is it even in the scriptures? He might think. But God, our God, is a God who knows all things. Amen, saints? Our God is a God who does whatever he pleases in Psalm 115. I love that verse. We talked about it Wednesday night, Psalm 115. God does whatever he pleases. I like that. That's a great answer for some people. Well, why would God do this? And why would God do that? And did Adam have a navel? And you know, what do you want me to tell you? Well, why this and why that? You know why? You know why? You know why? Ask me why. Thank you for asking. Because God is a God who does whatever he pleases. That's why. Good enough for me. And God, it pleased God to who knows all things, the same God, one day he knew thousands of years later that Jesus would come down from the mountain. And when he got down to the bottom of the mountain, thousands of people, see God knew this, thousands of people would throng around him. And he knew, God knew, that a leper would someday squeeze his way through the crowd, come to Jesus and say, Lord, if it's your will, then heal me. And Jesus would touch him. God knew Jesus would touch him. And then then it's that same Jesus who would say in verse 4 to that leper, now go show yourself to the priest and the priest will tell you what to do. Because he knew. Because it was already written in Leviticus chapter 13 and 14. You see, God knows everything. 
God knew that one day, thousands of years later, that leper would come and he would need to be healed and he would be healed. And now he's got to offer the appropriate offerings for a leper. God knew that. And that's why God explained it all to the priest in Leviticus chapter 13 and chapter 14. Leprosy. Leprosy is alive and well today. That was just two weeks ago. I was, as I mentioned, in India. And we had a team of eight people, including myself, as you well know. You guys have been praying for me, and thank you so much. Because God, you know, God kept me the whole trip. Do you know, and you guys know how bad my back is. If you're a visitor, I'm telling you now. But people who know me, I have an awful, awful back. And traveling 42 hours from my front door to the airport in Hyderabad, India. And I just knew my back was going to bother me. I almost didn't go because I said, I'm not ready for all this back pain. And people here prayed. I knew they prayed. Do you know my back didn't bother me at all the whole time? You should say amen because that's answered prayer. God was so faithful to me. So faithful, unbelievable. And I get back here in Apex and my back is killing me. So some of y'all saints ain't praying, huh? It's all your fault. And so I'm in India and one of the brothers, his name is Nick. He took a trip to a particular area and each day we separated and I went to a teaching team. I taught most of the time I was there. And uh, Nick came back one day and he told me, Pastor Ronnie, Pastor Ronnie, I saw a real life leper. And he said, oh, I saw him. He was laying at the gate. It reminded him of the story of the guy laying at the gate called Beautiful, asking alms of people that come by. He said it was like the Bible, Pastor Ronnie. It's just like the Bible, man. This guy was laying at a gate at the mosque, at the Muslim mosque. And he was asking for alms. And I said, what did he look like? He said he had Pus all pockets all over him and boils all over him. And he began to explain to me. And I said, yeah, that was probably leprosy. He probably was a real leper. Leprosy is alive and well today. Today we call it Hansen's disease. Some people refer to it as a painless death or a living hell. Because it really is. I want to tell you two brief things about leprosy. Number one, physically, how it affects the leper. Secondly, socially, how it affects the leper. Physically, leprosy starts small in one part of the body, and then it spreads all over the entire body with sores. The skin loses its color, and it becomes blotched and scaly. The whole body becomes ulcerated. Sometimes the eyebrows fall out. Sometimes blindness sets in. It begins to affect the nervous system. That's why they call it a painless hell, because it affects the nervous system and kills the nerve endings. You could, if, if a person is a leper, they could stick their hand, put their hand in fire, and they not even know it's being burned. They could hit their hand on something solid like this, and their finger would fall off, and they not even feel it, because it affects the nerve endings, and kills the nerve endings. There's a terrible, awful smell 
that comes from a person with leprosy. No one wanted to be around them. It usually lasts about nine years. And then coma was set in. And then death, possibly death. Physically. Socially, leprosy, the leper was ostracized from society and required by law to live on a a leper colony. According to Leviticus chapter 13, you can read that in your own time. He had to live in a leper colony, ostracized by society. The leper had no family, no friends, no loved ones, no girlfriend, no job, nothing, no one. The leper was isolated from community and isolated from church. He couldn't go to church. Couldn't be near anyone. If he were to come within six feet of any person, he had to require by law to cry, unclean, unclean, unclean. And people would scatter from a leper. You see, leprosy was awful, awful, awful disease, much like AIDS is today. AIDS is awful and there's no cure for it. So this leper, this man, weaves his way through the crowd, probably crying, unclean, 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 and everyone scatters except one man, Jesus. Everybody else runs, everybody else leaves, and Jesus stands there. And the leper came to Jesus and said, Lord, if you're willing, make me clean. Now, I want to talk just a few minutes about how this man came to Jesus. Very important. Number one, how did this leper come to Jesus? Number one, he came confidently. Did you see that in your Bibles? This leper stepped toward Jesus in confidence. Somehow this leper believed that Jesus had compassion and would show compassion to him. And he stepped toward Jesus. Whenever Anyone steps toward Jesus, listen and listen close. When anyone ever in all of the Bible steps toward Jesus, Jesus steps toward them. John chapter 6, verse 37, the Bible says, Jesus says, all that the Father gives me will come to me. And the one who comes to me, I will by no means cast out. You see, this leper came to Jesus in confidence, and Jesus didn't cast him out. Maybe you're here, and your wife has kicked you out. Maybe you're here, and and your husband has cast you out. Maybe your family or your friends or your loved ones have rejected you and kicked you out. You know, the Bible says Jesus will never kick you out. Jesus will never cast you out. Jesus will never put you away. If you step toward him, he will step toward you. Maybe you're here today and you feel like a leper. Hmm. Maybe something you've said or something you've done or something you haven't done or maybe something you've thought. Jesus is here today to touch you. It doesn't matter how many people turn their back on you. Jesus touched the leper and Jesus will touch you. He came, first of all, 
in confidence, believing that Jesus would touch him. Secondly, he came in reverence. Did you notice that? This leper came and fell down at the feet of Jesus in worship and reverence, which speaks of the fact that this leper knew and understood that Jesus was God. Not only in confidence and in reverence, but also, here's a biggie, in humility. Did you notice that? The leper bows down, deformed and ravaged with leprosy. And he says, Lord, if you will, make me clean. Lord, if you will. Notice he didn't demand it. He didn't say, Lord, you better make me clean. He said, Lord, if you will make me clean. He didn't demand God. He didn't say, Lord, you better do it. In humility, he said, Lord, if it doesn't mess up some cosmic plan or purpose for my life, then make me clean. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary, located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccary.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.